Hey, Grace Church, how are you doing today? We hope you're having a great day. And uh, we're going to be engaging with the Word of God today, so I hope that makes your day even better. So let's just stop and pray, and uh, let's just see where God takes us today. We're going to talk about the hope that Christmas brings to our life. And uh, I believe that we live in a, in a time when hope is absolutely essential for you and I to survive these days that we live in. So uh, I hope this is a blessing to you. So Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for just the opportunity that I have to uh, bring your word, God. And I pray that, God, that you would strengthen me, that, God, that you would allow me to preach, God, exactly what you would have me to say. I pray for an anointing, the power of your spirit, Father, upon me. And, uh, Lord, I pray in the end it wouldn't be about me, but it would be about your people and about your glory, God. And I pray, God, that it would be uh, something that is encouraging and strengthening and life-changing for some. And uh, I just pray that uh, you would have your perfect will in all of our lives. In Jesus' holy and powerful name we pray, amen. So Christmas, this is a great time of the year for us to celebrate. And, and so what I want to do today is just slow my life down, slow your life down a bit, and talk about the hope that Christmas brings. And I think there are three specific things that Christmas does in our life, but I think if you're not thinking about it, you might miss the whole point. So here's the three things. First of all, I think first and foremost, Christmas does the unexpected. Christmas is about the unexpected. So what do I mean by that? Well, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number one, uh, describes what this is all about. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Underline that. Note that in your Bible, if you have your Bible open, because that's really an important thing we're going to come back to in just a minute. A village in Galilee, Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. So let's just stop there for just a second. I want to read more of this passage. But I want to just say to every lady in the audience, if there's ever an angel that comes to you and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I'm just going to tell you, your life is about to change. And so it was with Mary, but here's her reaction. Uh, And this would probably be your reaction as well. Confused and disturbed, Mary... tried to think what the angel could mean. Obviously, this was distracting to her. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. That word favor means grace. You have found grace with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, the irony of this whole story, this Christmas story, is this woman, Mary, lived in this obscure little village called Nazareth. And the truth is, is probably because it was such a small village, probably there was only a handful of people that knew her name, that knew who she was. I mean, if you think of all the places that this could have taken place, God chose Nazareth, Nazareth of all places. It had a population base of probably between maybe 400, 500 at tops. And people of Nazareth, Nazareth were despised by all the surrounding cities. They, they were just hated for whatever reason. In fact, we see this in the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, this is the story of Philip and Nathaniel, how they came to Christ. And Philip went, and, and this is verse 45, Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. 
And then watch this response from his brother. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? That's really interesting. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth symbolically is a place that represents obscurity. It represents poverty. It represents insignificance. It, is, it was not a famous city. Theodosius in the 4th century, he was a 4th century martyr. A martyr is someone who was actually killed for their faith. This is what Theodosius wrote. If Jesus had been born to high rank amid luxury, unbelievers would have said the world would have been transformed by wealth. Wealth would have been the issue. If he had chosen Rome as a birthplace, they would have thought transformation is brought by civil power or politics. Rarely does God ever work in the ways that we expect. Have you ever noticed that in your life? Rarely does God ever do the expected. He does the unexpected. From Genesis to Revelation, we see clearly, thanks to hindsight now, that God pretty much always works in the most unexpected ways. And let me just tell you a story from the New Testament that I think that captures this idea. Do you remember the story of Saul of Tarsus? Saul who became Paul, the apostle who wrote uh, much of the New Testament? Well, he was a Christ hater. He was on his road to Damascus to torment and arrest Christ followers who were the bane of his existence. He was on the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, he has his encounter with the risen Christ. He encounters the risen Christ who blinds him by his glory, saves him, gives him a new mission, and restores his sight. It was so shocking that the early church couldn't hardly believe that Saul of Tarsus would get saved. It was a very unexpected thing. In fact, they didn't even trust Paul now. That's his name that God changed his name to. They hardly trusted Paul because it was such a noted miracle that Saul of Tarsus would get saved. That is extremely unexpected. That's the first thing about Christmas, you see, is that God is the God of the unexpected. The second thing we see in, about Christmas is that God does the impossible. In Luke chapter 1, let's go back to the text in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 31, it says, this is the angel speaking, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I have never been with a man. That's a good point, Mary. I've never been with a man. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will be born, uh, the, so that the baby who, to be born will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God. Now, there's nothing more impossible than, and especially in the first century, today there's modern medicine, but in the first century, there was nothing more impossible than a virgin birth uh, to happen. That was a miracle. That was, that was the impossible, that God did the impossible. Peter Larson uh, writes this, and I, I love this writing. Despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities. Notice the word impossibilities. A virgin's birth and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world by the door marked no entrance. That's impossible. And left by a door marked no exit. That's impossible. So Jesus is the God of the impossible. That is such an amazing thing. And, and there are many dangers that you and I are facing in our current world. Uh, there, the church faces a lot of issues. There is great danger personally for our lives. But here's the reality. When we think about the church, 
The greatest danger of the church is not the pandemic that we're experiencing. That's not the greatest danger we're facing. I'm not saying it's not a danger. It's not the greatest danger. The greatest danger isn't political unrest. That's dangerous, but it's not the most dangerous thing. And it's not the racial tension that we experience in our culture. That's not the most dangerous thing. The greatest danger in the church is not believing that God is the God of the impossible. Let me say that to you again because that is so important. The greatest danger in the church is not believing that God is the God of the impossible. So what, why is that so dangerous? When you do not believe that God is a God of the impossible, this is what happens. You become powerless in your life. And the reason you become powerless in your life is because you lack faith. It is a slippery slope. It's a downward spiral. And I'm telling you, as I look around in the church in America today, actually a church worldwide, I really believe that we live in an age where people believe, well, you know, the Bible's the Bible, and that, you know, that was all great for them, but God doesn't really do miracles today. And I just want you to know that that's a very dangerous way to live. It lacks faith. It is just simply not true. God has always been the God of miracles. And just let me say this. Miracles don't happen every day. They don't happen necessarily every week. Miracles, they wouldn't be miracles. If they became the norm in our culture, they just simply wouldn't be miracles. So miracle is, sometime, is something where God suspends what should normally happen and does just the opposite. The outcome is just the opposite. Let me give you an example of a current day miracle. In March 2015, Utah rescuers heard an adult voice yelling, help me. From inside a car that had crashed into the icy waters of the Spanish Fork River. When they, react, they, when they raced to the answer the call, they found an eight-month-old child named Lily suspended above the freezing water in her car, in her car seat. So I want, I, just so you know, this is a real story. I want to show you a, a live cam video of this rescue. So watch this. There you go. Got it? Got it? Here, pass her up, pass her up. Pass her up. Pass her up. Go, 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 go. Thank you. Come on, baby. Just get her high performance. She's crazy. Go up in there. Hey, go. Let's go. Okay, you gonna be with her? Yeah. Okay, bitch. What do you need? Suction. Suction. So leave that picture up there for just a few minutes because I want to really talk about this. Lily's mother died in the crash, on the impact in the crash. There's no way she could have been the voice that was crying out, help me. Lily was too young to talk. So somehow, some way, there was a voice that the rescuers heard that caused them to rush to the car and found Lily hanging upside down. A few more minutes in these icy waters, her, her car seat was suspended upside down, and she was inches away from the rising water. And when you think about that, that is such an amazing thing. If, had, if, they had, if, they had, if they had waited or delayed in any way, shape, or form, Lily would not have been there. And then there's the, you know, how can you explain this voice, this voice that cries out, help me. I mean, that is amazing. This is Lily. I want you to look at her. I want you to look at her. Can we put that picture back up there, please? No, maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not. This is Lily, and her story is absolutely true. She is alive today because God 
suspended what normally would happen for the sake of saving her life. And that is the God of the impossible. That is the God that does the impossible. And I hope that you believe that God is still the God of the impossible because once you stop believing that, I'm telling you honestly, you have just, you don't have anything more than religion on, on your side. All you do is become this, you know, person who is just a churchgoer. And instead of believing that God is the God of the impossible and He does miraculous things. The third thing about Christmas is that it, it teaches us that God does the unexplained, not just the impossible, but the unexplained. So let me show you what I mean by that. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, and she shall have a son, and, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God, I mean, what is just amazing is in the birth of this baby, I mean, the whole world stops you know, and celebrates Christmas. I mean, different countries celebrated, perhaps in different, you know, like in Russia, it's celebrated January 7th, I believe it is. But somewhere along the way, every culture stops what they're doing and they celebrate this, the birth of this baby. But the reality is, is that that's as far as they go. But this baby came to save his people from their sins. And if, if history repeats itself, this Christmas, about $6 billion in gift cards will be given out, uh, or, or better than that, more than $6 billion. And much of that money, a good portion of that money, will never go claimed. Gift cards will be left in drawers and never, and never used at the, at the store. And I'm just saying, what a sad thing. But think about this. What's even worse is that the great truth that God saves His people from their sins will also go unclaimed. Millions, billions of people this year will stop at Christmas and they will celebrate with giving of gifts. They'll have meals. And what will go unclaimed is the reality that God can save you. That is, that is really just the saddest thing that there could ever be. So today we're here to celebrate. We celebrate the unexpected, the impossible, and the unexplained. And so before I go on, I want to just tell you about a miracle that I had in my life. Actually, I've had two notable miracles in my life, and they are clear, but I'm going to tell you about the latest miracle, the, the one that happened, well, when I was 19. So when I was 19 years old, I was like most 19-year-old reckless kids. And when I graduated from high school, I bought a, a 1971 Pontiac Le Mans, and it had racing stripes and glass packs, and it was fast. I could, man, I could, I could really get up and move with this car. And it was, it was just this, you know, when I drove down the street, people turned their heads. I mean, it was a beautiful car, blue metal flake paint on it and these racing stripes. And, and, uh, and so one day I had three other people in the car with me and we were driving down a Nevada road and I was going about 110 miles an hour, no exaggeration. I was driving about 110 miles an hour and uh, I went off the road at 110 miles an hour, I went out into the sagebrush. And when I went out of the sagebrush, my car started flipping around and, and, uh, and it was like I was in slow motion. It was like everything slowed down. And, and uh, I knew, I knew without a doubt, this is it, I'm going to die. And somehow, some way, that car landed, went out into the sagebrush, landed back on the highway and started just spinning around. It, it did some donuts. Probably, I, I, I would, you know, guess, you know, as, as skidding down the highway, flipping around, 
I guess it you know, turned around about a half a dozen times, maybe more, and, um, and finally came to a rest. Here's, here's what the miracle was, is that there's absolutely no way, there's absolutely no way that I know that that car should have not rolled and killed everybody in the car. And when I, when, when the car came to a stop, I was shaking like a leaf. I knew that my life had just been spared and the people that were in my car had been spared and uh, I was still about 30 miles out in the desert and uh, I drove about 25 miles an hour home that night because it was, my heart was racing and pounding and, and uh, it was, and I know without any doubt today that I am alive and I'm speaking to you on this stage because God took what should have happened and suspended what should have happened and intervened and made another consequence. And voila, here I am. That is a miracle. God is the God of miracles. God is the God of the unexplained. And once you give up on that, once you stop believing that, then I'm just going to tell you, you have lost it. So let me, let's just make this a little bit personal. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this in this way. What in your life do you need God to do that it's unexpected, unexplained, impossible? What do you need God to do in your life that's unexplained, impossible? I mean, we all have those things in our life. I have one in my life. I pray every day intensely, God, would you do the impossible in this circumstance in my life. And I know that there are every, there, everyone that's listening to my voice has something that they're facing that they need the God that is unexplained, unimaginable, the God of the impossible. You need Him to intervene in your life in some way or some fashion. And if you don't need Him today, you'll probably need Him somewhere in your very near future. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out a piece of paper Let's do it the old-fashioned way. Or you could do it on a device, but I would prefer that you do it with a piece of paper and a pencil. And so at home there, if you can grab and scramble in the next second or two and find you know, something to write down, here's what I'd like you to write down. I'd like you to write down right now something that is impossible in your life that you would like God to do. I cannot, I will not tell you that He's going to do it. But you have, no, you have no loss by asking. Sometimes God answers and sometimes He doesn't. He doesn't answer every time because that wouldn't be miraculous. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I believe that there's the God of the impossible wants to work in your life. And if you don't hold on to that until the day that you die, I'm telling you, there's a loss in your life and you'll end up being a Christian that just goes through the, mich the, the, the mission of life and you'll just go through life with the idea that, you know, I'm just going to get up, I'm going to survive the day, I'm going to go to bed and I'm going I'm to do it all again tomorrow. And that is a pity. That is a, that is a crime. That is a shame. For believers who have in relationship at our fingertips, at, the, at our voice, it's a shame for you and I to live as if God does not exist. He is the God of the impossible. So what I want you to do is I want you to write it out and I want you to say, God, this is what, this is my impossibility. Could be a, a sick loved one. It could be your own, your own illness. It could be a wayward child. It could be someone that's very close to you that isn't saved yet. Or perhaps, who knows, maybe it's a financial crisis in your life or maybe it's just, you are, you, are a, you are 
heart attack waiting to happen because there's so much stress going on in your life. Whatever it is, you write it down. And let's just take one further step in this process. What I want you to do is I want you to just name it out loud. Just say it. Don't be embarrassed about the people around you. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed about them. I just want you to say it out loud. I want you to say, God, would you, and you name it right here. You just name it right here. I'm not telling you that God's going to answer. There are no promises. But if you don't ask, you won't get. I think we should be asking God on a regular basis for the impossibilities that he, only he is able to do. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. You have to be willing to give God the glory. If you take the glory, then it's game off. But whatever it is you want to ask, I, I'm going to believe that out of the, you know, the tons of people that are watching us online right now, that God is going to, he's going to suspend reality for somebody and he's going to answer a prayer in a way that everybody else can't explain what's going on. He's the God of the impossible. So just because God doesn't always do these things doesn't mean he never does them. So I'm asking you to believe in the God of the impossible. And as you begin to think about that, first of all, salvation. Everybody here has experienced a miracle in their life. Everybody that's watching online has experienced a miracle. And here's the miracle that you've experienced if you're a believer. If you are a Christ follower, it is a miracle that you're saved. And if you don't believe that, you don't understand salvation. Salvation is a supernatural act of God. When I'm walking this way, walking away from God, and God grabs me by the neck, opens my blind eyes, and shows me the way unto salvation, that's a miracle. And if you don't see that as a miracle, I'm saying, I'm saying, wow, you're missing, you're missing the boat. You should get down on your knees tonight and thank God for the miracle of salvation that he has done in your life. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unexplained, it's supernatural, and it is a work of God from start to finish. That is the God of the impossible. And then I'm expecting one more miracle from God, not because I have this, you know, school kid attitude. I don't. I just believe that the Bible is true. I'm expecting one more miracle. And that next miracle is the fact that one day, Jesus is going to step off of his throne one more time. And this time, he's not going to come through a virgin. He's going to become riding on a white stallion. And he comes to rescue and make war. He's the God of the miraculous. I'm waiting for that. That's going to be that God is going to at some point in time suspend the reality of heaven and earth. And he's going to step onto this planet one more time. And my friend, that will be perhaps the biggest miracle that, that the world could ever see. Because in the end of the age, if you read the, the book of Revelation, this is what you realize is that there's this title deed. The book of Revelation is all about a title deed to the earth. And there are, it's bound by seven seals. And the seventh seal, when it is broken, salvation then is granted to this planet. This planet is then delivered. And so the seventh seal consists of seven trumpets that are blown just in rapid fashion. And the seventh trumpet has seven bowls of wrath that God pours out 
on this planet. And when the seventh bow of wrath is poured out, it is finished. It is done. Jesus Christ comes in miraculous fashion, and it is a glory. The heavens, every eye shall see him, the Bible says. Every eye shall see him, and all the worlds will mourn because of him. And because here's what God does. He suspends reality. And he establishes a new reality. That's a miracle. And I pray and trust that that's the God that you believe in. I trust and pray that whatever it is right now in your seat, at home, or wherever you're at, I just pray that you'll start believing that God does the supernatural. And that you don't just settle. You don't just settle for an ordinary life. You don't settle for that. You believe and trust and hope that the God of the miraculous will enter your life in supernatural ways and do supernatural works inside of you and through you. It is a glorious thing for the glory of God. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. And my prayer, God, is that you'll take my words and use them. You'll penetrate your people's hearts with them. And God, I pray that we, as the body of Christ, would start believing your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.